Hey, kids, do you like wrestling? Well, we like wrestling, too. We are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Myself and Chris Novembrino kind of doing a lazy river of wrestling criticism, going through the news and whatever happened in stateside television wrestling. And also, you know what? Sometimes we just like to watch old stuff and talk about that, too. Love for you to give us a listen. If you haven't already, we are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's my music. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 164, and it's about the Terry Funk album, Great Texan. And today I'm joined by a returning guest here on the show. He is one of the hosts of the Shake Them Ropes podcast, also on the VOW network. It's Jeff Hawkins. Hello again, Jeff. What did I ever do to hurt you? What? <laughs> this Usually these shows are things I'm excited for. This is one of the ones where I'm like, did, did I do something to piss Andrew off in a past life that he gave this album? <laughs> no, it's happy happy to be here as usual and to uh, snark on this, this god-awful <laughs> thing that you've laid in my lap. Yeah, last time you were on was uh, early last year. For a music memories episode, and uh, that was pretty easy. But um, this one, I won't say it's hard per se, but it's it's a little bit more uh, tricky to navigate. I think there, Jeff. So <laughs> there's there's as I was telling you before this, there's very few off ramps for uh, tangents or things that are interesting. <laughs> so you kind of have to stay focused on on the terribleness of the music of this album, which <laughs> you say it's not heavy lifting. I beg to differ. This is going to be some heavy, heavy... Li- I have a weight belt on. That's how much heavy lifting I plan on doing on this album. But, uh, yes, <laughs> this this should be fun. And if it's not, the pain will be fun for our listeners. <laughs> yeah, just to uh, give people a reasoning why we're doing this thing here. Uh, Terry just celebrated his birthday. He's now 79 years old. And uh, he does look it. Um, I saw that picture of him the other day. He looks every bit of his age now. And uh, and I'll be honest, Jeff, you know, given how long Terry Funk wrestled, given how much he put his body through with all those, you know, countless hardcore matches and death matches and whatnot, it's a blessing he made it this far. I- I'm amazed he's still with us, you know? Oh, def- I mean, look, nobody looks great necessarily at 79 unless you're Paul Newman. I mean, Alan Arkin looked pretty good, and he was in his 80s, but my joke was Terry Funk now looks like Dory Funk always <laughs> used to. So it was one of those things where it's like, man, you don't almost don't even recognize him without the long, black, stringy hair, which has now gone either gray or bald, depending on what photo you see of him. But, you know, 79 for the life he's lived, <laughs> mazel mazel good things. Yeah, it, it's a miracle. I mean, I'm I'm reminded of the scene in Beyond the Mat, where he goes to the doctor, and the doctor's like, you need a new knee. You need a new knee now. And Terry's like, if, if I don't get the operation, will I be able to, to get around comfortably? And the doctor goes, you shouldn't be able to get around comfortably now. Like, you should be in severe, chronic, debilitating pain. And Terry's just sitting there, just ho-hum, just looking at him. And, I mean, the, and he kept wrestling for like 15 years afterwards, too. I mean, the longevity on this guy is, is incredible. Let, let me cut you and, off, because your Terry Funk is fantastic. Has oh, anyone ever yeah, told I, you that before? Yeah, I've never done it before on the show. And uh, I can only do old man Terry. Old man Terry Falk cactus, I'm an old man now. I can't wrestle anymore. I can you only do that what, one, but, so. but you know what else I noticed through your imitation is there's a lot of Hank Hill. <laughs> God in the Terry Funk, yeah, <laughs> propane and propane accessories. <laughs> I'm the ECW World Champion, and that boy ain't right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but I mentioned you know his longevity there. It, it's amazing. He started wrestling in what '65. You know, he worked Texas with his dad Dory Senior and his brother Dory Junior, and he went to Florida, went to Memphis, went to WWF, WCW. He was in Japan, ECW. Various indies had, you know, multiple retirements to the point of, of comedy, <laughs> and he kept coming back and coming back. I mean, 
prolific isn't a big enough word to describe Terry Funk, I don't think, Jeff. No, and I think you're a lot, I mean, even people my age kind of had to do some history diving if you lived in a certain part of the country, et cetera, to, to really learn about like the Terry Funk early days and the Japanese runs. Because I think, I think my first exposure to Terry Funk was his entrance into the WWF when he was with, uh, when he and they renamed Haas Dory Funk. Haas yes. Funk. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and of course, Jimmy Jack Funk with, with Jimmy. And then, and then eventually in 89 coming over to, the NWA, and it's like a well, former NWA champion. I'm just like, this guy was a former NWA. And, <laughs> I mean, he turned out to be awesome and stuff, and I had never seen his old work until then. And then, of course, as the internet and video and all these other things started to boom, you could go back and watch him. My God, he was awesome, you know, especially in Memphis with Jerry Lawler and that feud. And, you know, of course, the uh, Forever, which is referenced <laughs> on this album, I believe. Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, Terry Funk's awesome. Terry Funk's one of those guys who was not my favorite growing up, but as I've gotten older, he's now like top two or three of guys I just love to watch. And and watching, it, it's funny because every time I now see an old wrestler do something, I go, oh, he's in his Terry Funk. Like, like I always talk about Sting in his like secondary Terry Funk role <laughs> right now in terms of his role in AEW. But I mean... You also can't deny, and Paul Heyman will be the first to tell you this, that Terry Funk's the guy who legitimized ECW in so many ways. And just his contributions and things like, yeah, Terry Funk is awesome. That's all I need to say before I rip him a new one for having absolutely no singing voice <laughs> whatsoever. We'll get to that. We'll get to that for sure. Yeah, but but yeah, it is it is pretty amazing how, you know, arguably the most iconic and influential part of his career, the old man, Terry Ron, middle-aged and crazy, you know, doing the hardcore matches, doing his crooked moonsaults and the flair feud and all that. At that point, he was already wrestling for like 25, 30 years. So to be able to not only remain a top star after all that time, but to also just, you know, reinvent yourself to a whole new generation of fans and a new kind of audience, that takes a lot of, of brains and a lot of charisma. And we all know Terry Funk had that in spades for sure, Jeff. He's an amazing promo, too. That That's the thing that really helps him. And also, one of the things that always fascinates me is he's one of the wrestlers who were out there who also had a tribute act at the same time who was out there wrestling. Because if you ever watch Dick Slater, he is he is absolutely a Terry Funk clone to the point where he actually replaced Terry Funk in that tag match with Muda against Sting and Flair at the Clash and basically did a Terry Funk match. I mean, that's the highest compliment you could give anybody is, oh, yeah, this guy is doing you move for move. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, today, Jeff, we're not talking about Terry Funk. We're talking about some Terry Funk music, but not his themes. We could do that. We could talk about Spinning Toehold and Desperado and Man with Harmonica and all those mm -hmm. great songs. But I think it'd be a lot more um, fun <laughs> if we talked about Great Texan. Uh, the album that Terry put out in Japan in 1984. Uh, yes, uh, Terry Funk has an album where he <clears throat> sings. And uh, we've had episodes before about, you know, wrestlers singing their own music. Uh, Hulk Rules, the Hulk Hogan album, uh, of course. Uh, WWE Originals as well. So this is nothing new. And uh, with Terry, you know, being such a big star in Japan, him putting out an album in Japan is not that shocking either. You know, it's it's strange, don't get me wrong, it's, it's pretty weird, but it's also not crazy to think that, you know, Terry would capitalize on his fame and his stardom in Japan with an album like this, uh, Jeff. Was it Terry's idea is always my question. Um, <laughs> this is a time-honored tradition in, in show business, is capitalizing on your fame by then putting out another product to do brand extension, if you will. I mean, there's a bunch of... 50s and 60s TV stars who, but the Ernest Borgnine had a Christmas album. <laughs> now, I don't think of Ernest Borgnine as a particularly strong crooner, but he had celebrity, and when you have celebrity, you can almost do anything. And and half the time, what celebrities do is, well, you know, I'd really like to be a music star, and so they do. It's kind of like actors and directing in some ways. It's like, what I'd really like to do is direct. And then they go and they direct a movie and it's terrible. But, <laughs> but you know, this was always a thing in show business in some way to, to capitalize on your fame, to put this out. Now, 
you may know a little bit more about the history than I do. 84, he had already retired once by now, hadn't he? And then, yeah, he'd already done this, the forever promo at this point. Yeah. yeah, and this is right before his WWF run, I believe, with, with Jimmy Hart, right? 84? Okay. Yeah, that was uh, 85, I think. 85? Okay, yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, okay. Cool, I'm just try- I'm trying to get the timeline correct in my head as to, you know, because like 1989 Terry Funk putting out an album is is sort of uh is sort of cute. In 1984 Terry Funk, you're just like, ah, he's a re- he's a retired wrestler. He doesn't know what to do with himself right now. <laughs> um, the best way I don't know if you want to go into the album just yet. I mean, not even tracks, but just general thoughts on it. This sounds like it's about ten years after its time. A lot of this, I don't know how Japanese culture was in 1984. But it sounds like a lot of America in 1974, <laughs> and uh, like, but all these musicians are great. <laughs> That's the thing that that it's like the album stinks, but the musicians are great. And there's only one that you know, even a name I could barely recognize, and I only recognize it because he was on the show Treme, and that's the guitarist Jun Yamagishi, um, who moved from Japan to New Orleans because he loved the jazz culture out there. Most of these guys are jazz musicians. Um, But he was in a band with a guy that I've met a number of times by the name of Randall Bramblett. Uh, Randall Bramblett was basically the fill-in for Chris Wood when Steve Winwood decided to do a traffic tour with Jim Capaldi in 1994 and then Bramblett stayed on in his house band to play saxophone and things like that but um, other than that any of these musicians you look up you will have never heard anything that they ever did unless you are big into Japanese jazz but they are all very very strong musicians yeah I found the album credits on the website Discogs Uh, so it came out on Invitation Records in 84 all the musicians are Japanese, and uh, some of the songs are credited to a guy named Eiji Nakahira. The other ones are credited to a fellow named Jimmy Hart. So this is pre-WWF Jimmy Hart, and uh, we'll get to his influence on the album as we go along here, because uh, it's quite evident at certain points, I think, Jeff. <laughs> oh, I have a lot to say about Jimmy Hart and his music, um, <laughs> uh, but we'll get to that when we get to his first song. Yeah, and uh, we'll also get to Terry Funk's opinion on this album at the end, because uh, he has some very strong thoughts about it. <laughs> but uh, let's get to the album here. Uh, just an FYI, I got these songs off of YouTube. Uh, someone recorded it off of their vinyl copy and put it up on YouTube. So you might hear some crackles or minor skips here and there. But uh, listen, that's that's the warmth of vinyl, Jeff. That's the, that's the format, I suppose. Yes, it brings me back to my youth as a child in the 1910s. Thank you, Andrew. You're <laughs> the so old Victrola. <laughs> you know, spitting mm-hmm. the old Victrola. <laughs> but I was shocked. I was shocked actually that this wasn't a country album. Yes, you mentioned the sound of it. Um, as we'll see, very much a uh, soft rock, jazzy yacht rock kind of thing. Disco rock is what that too. I would yeah, also that, call that it. too. Yeah. So. Uh, Let's kick it off here with track number one. Uh, This is the title track featuring Jimmy Hart on guest vocals. This is Great Texan. So we're starting off hot here. We got the big horns, the funky guitars, the background singers. It's like the start of a Terry Funk Vegas variety show. You know, just 
Aces High and Casino, that kind of thing. And it's basically a song about Terry Funk. He's the most violent wrestler in the world. He's so strong. He's got the power. He's a fighting machine. But his heart is also soft and sweet. So Terry has uh, many sides to him. Um, he may not have a singing voice, mind you, but uh, hey, who needs that for an album, Jeff? All right, come on. Yes, who needs musical talent to do actual... I mean, this is more... He do, It's so funny because he does spoken interludes, but all of his singing is mostly that spoken singing thing where he doesn't really have to go above his speaking range in order to hit a note of any kind. MJF, he is not. Um, yeah, the, the horns are fantastic. Uh, as a horn player, I, I was listening, I was like, it, it reminds me, there, there was this movement kind of in the early 70s of jazz musicians who played rock, and it reminds me of a band called Chase, who had a song called Get It On. You know, and, and, and Bill Chase was, was a trumpet player, so it was a very trumpet-heavy type of uh, thing, and, and this sounds exactly like that kind of sound that, that you'd hear on the Midnight Special if Chase were on. There, maybe, you know, some David Clayton Thomas and Blood, Sweat, and Tears or, or something to that effect, but, but very horn-heavy. Um, I love the Vegas review uh, thing because the singers all here sound like that, but the lyrics here are all North Korean propaganda. Uh, oh, Terry, you are so brave and you are so strong. <laughs> and just kind of, I was... <laughs> it's almost broken English in some ways, so it reminded me of... Here's a reference for you, and I put this in the notes. Uh, the news radio uh, episode, Super Karate Monkey Death Car, where Jimmy James, Stephen Root's character, writes a biography, and it's translated into Japanese, and then it's translated back into English, and he's doing a public reading of it, and it makes absolutely no sense at all. <laughs> it doesn't quite get to that level, but it's, but it's just, it, it's such a... <laughs> This is, if you told me this is a Terry Funk theme song, I would say, get out of my house, you crackhead. Uh, because it's, it, 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 you, you nailed it. It's a Vegas introductory song for Terry Funk. If, if Terry Funk were Apollo Creed in Rocky Four, this would be his theme right here. Great Texan. Uh, but again, fantastic musicianship. Just lyric, lyrical crap, and Terry just, Terry sounds like he's straining in every song he's in, and it, you're almost like, oh, Terry, you're torturing yourself, don't try and hit that note, but uh, yes, Terry, you are so brave, you are so strong, you are so sweet, <laughs> please don't hurt us, Terry. Yeah, you talked about uh, Terry's um, uh, singing ability earlier, and how he sounds in the album, this is a good preview for the rest of the album, because... Yeah, Terry won't be doing a lot of uh, actual singing here. More of a, a melodic talk singing kind of thing, which is, um, you know, probably a good idea to not have Terry, like, actually try to, you know, fully sing. Because when he goes, stomach hard as a rock, <laughs> you can hear the strain, you know, pretty pretty clearly. So it's probably wise to not go down that road, I think, Jeff. No, yeah. I have nothing else to say about this song. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Well, there's a part two where uh, Jimmy Hart goes, big biceps in his arms, hard tendons in his legs, muscles in his thighs for days. And I have to keep reminding myself, okay, he's talking about a younger Terry Funk and not the, you know, late 90s, 2000s old man Terry Funk that I picture all the time. You know, because back then, yeah, Terry Funk was in prime shape, and I'm sure he did have, you know, muscles in his thighs for days, but but the Terry Funk I know so well is the older, older Terry Funk, where he wasn't as, you know, in that kind of condition, Jeff. But that's just, that's just me, you know? I, I think this was trying to sell the Japanese people on Terry Funk as a bodybuilder Bob Sapp type, and I never thought of him as that. Although, it's interesting that Jimmy Hart loves to go to the thighs, because he has that in the, uh, was it, the, the the Lance Russell's nose, Barbara Streisand's nose. He's also talking about the thighs of Herschel Walker. Yeah, we'll get to that, yeah. <laughs> she has. It's like, that's such an interesting body part that Jimmy Hart seems to fixate on in a lot of his tunes. Mm -hmm. Track number two, we're going to slow things down a bit here. Uh, this is called Touch Your Heart, Sayonara Boku Ianai.
So we have ourselves a ballad, a tale of love gained and lost, uh, Japanese-themed with the Japanese string accoutrements in the music and the lyrics in the chorus as well. And I mentioned with the first song how there's kind of a disconnect between the Terry Funk that I know, the old man, and the younger Terry Funk in the song. Here's another one. Terry Funk, heartfelt crooner. Because um, I've seen my fair share of funk promos and matches over the years there, Jeff, and... Uh, there wasn't a lot of love and tenderness going on. <laughs> uh, romantic lead, uh, Terry Funk is not. Um, <laughs> to to steal from uh, Beyond the Mat, which he was in. I don't see him as Robert Duvall. I see him as Robert, Robert Duvall's, Duvall's friend. friend. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, with a different singer, I think this would have been a very good song. I, I do. I, I think this will be like a Lou Rawls type vibe or something to it. I mean, this is very 70s soul-ish. And it's weird because um, the thing that I noticed about the the theme of these tunes is is they almost try to put a country theme in them. And they're nothing but about heartbreak. Because, like, Rapongi is is about heartbreak, too. He's a guy sitting in a bar watching married women dance and stuff. And we'll get to that in a moment. But there's this. But, man, the spoken word on this is straight trash homie when i first came out you know out on the scene i saw you and met you honey and you became my friend we grew together and we blended just like wine but now honey the parting time has come <laughs> there's nothing romantic about that was friend zone 101 <laughs> that's just terrible well, well here's my theory about this um when i first heard it I thought he was talking about a woman that he met, and then because he's a wrestler and on the road so much, he has to leave. But then I realized it's more likely about Terry and Japan, because the album came out after his retirement in all Japan, after he did the famous Forever, Forever promo, and that's referenced in the song, Tokyo, Japan, Forever, and the song is about how it's hard to say goodbye in English and Japanese, so the way I see it, you know, that's kind of what the song is really about there, Jeff. That, that, that's my interpretation anyway. Here is where I will push back on you just a little bit. In what world do you think any of these songs were heartfelt <laughs> when they were writing? Because this is this is chat GPT stuff right here. I mean, this is... Ah, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> I, I like your attempt to, to save this song as being deep in his... Rela- but yes, the forever, I could see that. Yes, it's the relationship with the Japanese fans who he has left um, in 1984 now, before he goes to the evil empire of Stamford, Connecticut <laughs> to, to wrestle with his brother Hoss. <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> No, but it's an interesting... Like, I was listening to it. I was like, okay, this is this is good. And then Terry starts to sing. I was like, I wish I could just, like, isolate the vocals out of it and listen to the rest of the music, but I can't because it's drawing me away because... Yeah, like, this, it, these songs have, like, every trope you can think of. It's like, here's... You know, we're singing the song, and then, baby, I've been missing you. For, <laughs> you know, th- those types of spoken word things that you get from, like, the 1950s and things of that nature. Uh, yeah, uh... Uh, no, <laughs> but this this comes off as a very seventies R and B, smooth jazz type song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're kind of getting ahead of us with these songs that we'll get to later on. But um, but but you're right. You know, a good chunk of the album is made up of love songs yeah. and songs about relationships, which is not what you would expect from a Terry Funk album at all. But look, the man is of many multitudes, Jeff. He's a lover and a fighter, it seems. So there you go. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I think. I think of Terry Funk as a Casanova type. (laughs) Track number three, and we have our first song on the album credited to Jimmy Hart. This is called We Like to Rock. Cruising the streets Looking for 
You know, Jeff, when I think of the pantheon of rock and roll songs about young people rocking and the adults just don't get us, man, I think of My Generation by The Who. I think of We're Not Gonna Take It by Twisted Sister. And of course, I think of We Like to Rock by Terry Funk. Because who better to say the line, they call us juvenile delinquents. They say we're out of control. Juvenile delinquents because we like to rock and we like to roll, than a late 30s Terry Funk. Delinquent? Yes. Juvenile? Eh, not so much, Jeff. <laughs> Jimmy Hart likes to re- recycle his material. Yes. Um, <clears throat> this was, I believe, I know that uh, We Don't Like School, which we'll talk about later, is recycled, and I sent you the original of that, by the way. Um, th- I believe that the team of... Bobby Eaton and Coco Beware, he was trying to get over as juvenile delinquents, and that was going to be the name of the team. So I believe this was a prototype for a theme song, one of two, that are both on this album. Um, I, I want to take some time to absolutely bury Jimmy Hart in some ways, because I have never been impressed with his songwriting. I find his lyrics to be kindergarten level at times. Um... Versus cruising the streets looking for some action. My radio is blasting on my rock and roll station. Doesn't even rhyme, Jimmy. <laughs> that doesn't even rhyme. But if you watch Memphis, and I've been on kind of a Memphis history type of thing because it was just one of those things I never had as a kid in where I grew up. Boy, do they put over Jimmy Hart as being, you know, he's part of the legendary The Gentries. The Gentries. The Gentries. Number one hit, Jeff. Yes, but but let me go into that. Yes, oh, no, I do. Because I owned The Gentry's number one hit, and I'll get into that in a second. But The Gentry's did a song called Keep On Dancing. But The Gentry's are mostly a cover band uh, out out of, I believe, the Memphis area originally. Don't quote me on that part, but Keep On Dancing. Okay, Jimmy Hart was the lead singer of The Gentry's. He is one of two. He is also one of the principal songwriters of The Gentry's. He did not write any part of Keep On Dancing, nor was he the singer on Keep On Dancing. That was by, a, I think, their guitar player, who that was the only song he ever sang on by the Gentries, and that was their only hit. So what does that say about Jimmy Hart's musical abilities? <laughs> That's what I, I mean, but in Memphis, you think he was the mastermind behind the Gentries for some reason. I'm just like, and I hate this song. I hate Keep On Dancing for for two reasons. One I just alluded to, and I'll get to that in a second. The other is, it's just, it's a lazy song. It's actually the song done twice, because it wasn't long enough the first time to be able to get put on a on a 45 and be able to justify the cost. So what they did was they paused, put in a drum fill, and did the song over again. It's 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 only like three minutes long, but it's like I keep on dancing, dancing and a prancing and a prancing. Come on, baby, let me t- show you how I work. Boom, 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 blah. dancing, dancing and a prancing, dancing, dancing and a prancing. It's 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 just it's so dull, and I owned it because back back when I was a very young teenager, pre teenager, uh, back in the day. Andrew, when, when, you know, when stone tablets we were writing on in our schoolhouses, on the commercial for, on commercials on UHF stations and basic cable, they had things called compilation albums that they would sell to you, you know, three cassettes for nineteen ninety nine, and eventually you could get them on two CDs, you had them by KTEL and other, um, other, other types of, uh, people who would, who would organize these types of things. And there was a, uh, there was one called, and I found the commercial for this. <laughs> it's called Rockin' Down the Block. 
And and the commercial is just annoying as hell because it's it's nothing but white suburbans, you know, dancing to old '50s songs and stuff like that. But back when I was of this age, there were two things that I absolutely loved, Andrew. I loved the Blues Brothers, and and any act associated with the Blues Brothers. And your boy loved him some Steve Winwood. And so on this uh, Rockin' Down the Block, you, you, there are some great tracks on this. I also added the track list down here. I mean, you had you had Sam and Dave, you had James Brown, you had Aretha Franklin with respect. You also had the Spencer Davis group with Gimme Some Lovin', which was Steve Winwood's first hit at age 14 or 15. I think it might have been 16 when it actually charted. But the Gentries is a central focus of this commercial, and it's just, it's a dreadful, dreadful song. There are some clunkers on the, on this compilation. I mean, you have like a woolly bully and you know they, they they also have the beginning of what would become a trend in in this compilation industry like if you ever went to like a grocery store in i'd say the mid to late 90s and they had cds on the racks there of of artists or or even or even just regular compilations of various artists they, they would do something where they put the track down and they'd invite the lead singer of the group to come in and re-record it and so you're not getting the original studio recording of the out like you'd get like Chuck Negron coming in and recording a Three Dog Night tune or something like that, but it's like sixty year old Chuck Negron singing Three Dog Night, and you know it's it's not the same. It's a little cleaner, you know, because they've 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 taken out all the crackles and pops and smooth and really done the master track something. So it, it, you know they, they did that with Louie Louie on this one. I loved Louie Louie as a song at the time. I was just like, ah, oh, what the hell are they doing here? But uh, yeah, I, I can't stand Jimmy Hart. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, uh, as someone who talked about an entire album of Jimmy Hart pen songs on uh, Hulk Rules a few years ago, um, I know the feeling. Uh, in fact, speaking of which. Uh, you know, Jimmy Hart, uh, pretty well known for uh, borrowing, shall we say, from other musicians for his own work. Yes. Uh, well, apparently he borrowed from himself uh, because the opening verse that you said earlier, cruising the streets, looking for some action. My radio was blasting on my rock and roll station. That was later used almost verbatim in a song on Hulk Rules called Beach Patrol. I was walking down the beach, looking for some action, had my radio set on a rap rap station. Oh, good God! So, yeah, uh, Jimmy Hart liked to uh, self-borrow there, apparently, so there oh, you go. And, and he liberally borrows um, on another song that will, I mean... Oh, yeah, we'll I get mean, to that. We'll yeah. get to that, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, <laughs> but also, for this one, uh, it's funny, you know, for a song called We Like to Rock, musically speaking... Not much rock going on here. I mean, yes. I love a good saxophone solo as much as the next guy. Don't get me wrong. But when you have a song called We Like to Rock, I'm expecting more than just a drum beat and... I'm expecting a driving guitar. You know, like where... Yeah, where is the shredding guitar solo? Where is the the wild riffs? Where is the oomph? There's just no oomph on this one, Jeff. I mean, this isn't even early 80s synth pop new wave rocking if you wanted to go that far on it. This is... This is cheeseball 60s we want a rock type thing. And it's not even that because, I mean, Little Richard could slam that piano. This, this was like, uh, you know, some some white bread <laughs> doo-wop group trying to rock or something. I, yeah, I... <laughs> this song stinks. <laughs> well, let's move on. Let's move on now to our uh, next track here. Track number four. This one is called Change Your Mind. You know I'm asking with all of my might, and 
our second love song here. This one, much more upbeat than the first, musically. Uh, much more of a, yeah, a, a disco, funk kind of number. Uh, no pun intended there. And um, I, I feel like this is one of the songs that Terry tries to properly sing the most. Yes. And it's weird because his voice doesn't have the gruffness to it, which is good because it's a, a tender, emotional song. But it also doesn't have enough weight to it either. So it feels no. like the music is just kind of overpowering his vocals, which, again, can be a good thing with Terry Funk, of course. But still, mixing-wise, it's not really ideal for a song, Jeff. This is miscasting because I don't even think this should be a song a man sings. It sounds like a song a woman should be singing, to be honest with you. Not necessarily in the lyrics, but just in the vibe because i mean i'm listening to this and it sounds i mean i i the thing i was doing when i was listening to this album was i trying to go okay what kind of act are they trying to copy when they're doing this song and for me this was like a pointer sister song uh you know from the early 80s or something of that effect uh the spoken word though broke me and i stopped listening to this song (laughs) when when i Every man has his own ambitions and ideas in his life. We work, we've worked so hard towards ours, and now you run away. I was like, what kind of trashy Conway Twitty crap is this? <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, but but the wah wah guitar and stuff that that's that's what it's such a disconnect because it's it it it's trying to be a country song with like a funk disco type backbeat, and you're like, this does not work at all for me. And it's the second straight love song about a relationship that's on the verge of going away, you know? Yes. Except this time, it's the other person leaving Terry instead of the other way around. Change your mind about leaving me. I want you, darling, to stay in my heart. Change your mind about leaving me. You know I'm asking with all my might. Now I feel that I'm near the top. Don't run away. I need your strength to carry me on. So he's basically pleading with this woman to you know stay with him. But then later on, he goes, Now if you feel you can't endure... Go right ahead, because I'm going to be triumphant. Like, he's saying, fine, leave. I'm Terry Funk, whatever. Like, I'll be great. So it's kind of a mixed message there, too, I suppose, there, Jeff. Yeah, and these aren't particularly deep love songs. That's that's the other thing I'm noticing about all these. There's no real... This is like a seventh grader trying to write poetry for the first time. <laughs> I mean, that's the only way I can put this. It's like, I need to put triumphant. <laughs> all right, I'll put that word in, in a poem, because it'll make me sound smart type of a thing. I, I just... I, it, it's... It, it, the love stories in this songs aren't even trying to be anything but superficially banal. That that's the only way I can put these lyrics on it, especially Jimmy Hart songs, because those lyrics are just so, so trite, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. the The album seems to be a mix of Jimmy Hart schlock and romance schlock, and it's all just schlock yeah. altogether. I guess there, schlock so. is a great word for this. You know, you know what? It'd be funny if we could look at this in an ironic way, and like if uh, because a lot of these, it was like some of these were tongue in cheek. These types of albums that celebrities would do, but you know, I think Terry Funk would have been angry if, say, you know, you had called up Doctor Demento and tried to get this played on his show. Is, is that too arcane a reference for your reference point? He's in my notes for the next song. Oh, is he? I wrote the name Dr. Demento in the notes for the next song, so it's not not too arcane for me, at least, I guess. Yes! Awesome! We're going to get to talk to some Dr. Demento, which I loved. Yeah. Well, let's get to it then. Uh, we open up side two of the album with track number five. This is another Jimmy Hart song, and it's called Barbara Streisand's Nose. on this one um first of all uh this is another example of jimmy hart borrowing from himself because originally 
he wrote this song as Lance Russell's nose. Because yes. Lance Russell was the commentator in Memphis, where Jimmy Hart worked, and he had a very distinctive nose. Uh, he was Banana Nose. That became his nickname. So for this, they just changed it to Barbara Streisand, who also has a very unique nose. Um, now, apparently, uh, Jimmy also decided to take some inspiration from Michael Jackson. Because, yes, okay, uh, good. You, you noted that as well. This is the non-union Mexican equivalent of Beat It. Yes, this is Senor Spilbergo coming in and playing the guitar intro from Beat It. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, not the most original song on the album here, uh, Jeff, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, no, I, I have linked to the original Lance Russell's Nose if, if, if you want to splice some in here. <laughs> Looking on this in 2023 eyes, changing this to Barbara Streisand makes it vaguely anti-Semitic. <laughs> um, and I know Terry Funk wasn't meaning to be anti-Semitic, but at the same time, uh, uh, yes, uh, this this would be a song that would fit right at home in Dr. Demento's Funny Five of some ways, or just playing it on the show. Uh, Dr. Demento, for you kids who are not old enough to remember him, uh, was a formerly syndicated um, uh, radio host who played novelty tunes. Some were real tunes that are considered novelty tunes, played parodies, etc. Um, if you saw the Weird Al biopic, it is the person played by Rain Wilson is basically playing Dr. Demento. Uh, Dr. Demento did discover Weird Al, um and was the first to actually put his uh, songs on the air, and Weird Al holds Dr. Mento in the highest regard as the man who jump-started his career. Um, very whimsical. Uh, always came on at, like, 1 a.m. on a Sunday where I lived. So <laughs> so I, I, I spent part of my youth putting Dr. Demento shows on cassette and listening to them. And, you know, back then on the old tape deck, you had to, like, stop or pause the tape deck while you're recording. So, and, and so my parents were always hear me clicking the tape record, <laughs> go to bed, stop listening to those stupid comedy songs or stuff. But He's boy, there were some fish heads, mom. I got to listen. Come I on. I <laughs> hated fish heads. I hated fish heads and I hated dead puppies. That, that was a song I could not get through without crying. Cause I had pets that died and I was a bit of an emotional wreck. But my favorite songs, I mean, my favorite types of tunes on there would be number one. I liked, uh, I liked comedy things by the Frantics, and I liked uh, Whimsical Will, who was basically ripping off uh, Buchanan and Goodman by taking, you know, he'd do a sketch, but it would be, uh, you know, he'd ask a question and the answer would be the, uh, a song snippet from a, you know, he like interviewed Jaws, was like, uh, and, you know, you get a Whitney Houston song, I want to dance with somebody, you know, and then it'd go on to the next question type of a thing. Uh, yes, Dr. Demento held in high regard. Barbara Streisand's nose slash Lance Russell's nose. By the way, what is what is Terry Funk's obsession with noses? I know this is a Jimmy Hart song, but you remember when he uh, when he when he was fighting Flair? It was all about Flair's nose and how big that was. He always focused in on 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 the nose of his opponent. It, it, it seemed like it was almost a trope for Terry Funk at times. Because I think Jerry Lawler he also talked about his nose, but don't quote me on that. I won't. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is where I wrote down Demento's name in my notes because. Uh, this feels like a, a clear-cut novelty song. Um, I mean, they're all novelty songs in a way, I guess, but this one feels like it was written just for Demento's show to play on, you know? And uh, the story goes, Terry gets a knock on his door. It's a woman who is looking to spend some time with him, some alone time, and uh, she has Liberace's smile, Brooke Shields' hair, Bo Derek's hips, Mick Jagger's lips, Dolly Parton's chest, Farrah Fawcett's eyes, Herschel Walker's thighs, 
But oh no, she's got Barbara Streisand's nose, and uh, apparently that's a deal breaker for old Terry. Um, I mean, I wouldn't mind it, but uh, to each their own, I guess. There, Jeff. So <laughs> that, that that woman, six foot four, two hundred and fifty pounds. <laughs> no, here was my one note. Intro is complete ripoff of Beat It. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought, yeah, of course, Jimmy Hart's gonna. Yeah, this is this is the entire uh, what is it? the entire musical uh, strategy of WCW with the uh, with the uh, with the radio uh, compilation. Uh, oh, I forgot the name of what it's called. When it's just it's just basically uh, music that they have in a library that sounds like a good backing track for a commercial type thing. Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, Liberace, Bo Derek, Farrah Fawcett, Herschel Walker. Can you tell this was written in the early 80s there, Jeff? Can you tell? <laughs> uh, I can tell that song was written in the 70s and Herschel Walker was the update of the <laughs> 80s. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, somehow I don't think Kim Carnes would have had a big hit if she sang, She's got Barbara Streisand's nose. <laughs> you know, we're just not, not as catchy, I don't think, there, Jeff. So, <laughs> Although she's got Herschel Walker's thighs fit. <laughs> we could do that song. <laughs> It's the Weird Al parody he never wrote. Yes! It's the one that got away from him. <laughs> Call me, Al. Herschel Walker's still relevant. He ran for office a couple years ago. We could do this. It's gold, Jeff. It's gold, I'm telling you. <laughs> gold, Jerry, gold. Yeah. Track number six, and this song is credited to both Jimmy Hart and Terry Funk. Interesting. And it's called Rapungi. Wait a minute, is this a lost B-side from Steely Dan's Gaucho? Yes. Is this yes. a Christopher Cross bonus track? What's going on here? Um, <laughs> yes, this is a jazzy, funky slice of yacht rock goodness, and it's yet another song about lost love. Smoking American cigarettes, drinking hot sake, but I still can't forget all the times that I should have said I love you. I love you. I saw your best friend last night dancing. She asked for your old favorite song. And I gave it a try, but I choked up inside, and I blamed it on that frog in my throat. I found your number stuck in my billfolds. I just thought I'd give you a call. Before I go, I want you to know, I sure wish you'd come back home. This man is so unlucky in love, Jeff, it's crazy. Well, he's also in a bar full of married women dancing with each other, which is kind of weird, to be <laughs> honest with you. It's like, they're all wishing for their husbands. No, they seem to be having a good time, Terry. What's your problem? Uh, so Terry Funk is credited as co- Do you think he still owns the publishing rights? <laughs> and do you think he gets any residuals from ASCAP over this? <laughs> I howled at... Ste- Steely Dan's looking at this and going, there's not a single literary reference in this damn thing. <laughs> um, my note here, a sax solo with some bad lyrics around it. Um, look, the, the worst verse on this entire album comes comes from this song, and it's 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 this one. And I, I, I literally threw something when I heard it. It's uh, waking up in some old motel room with only my, my guitar to hold. If you could just see what it's doing to me. And I think I'm coming down with a cold. <laughs> what? Jimmy. <laughs> It's like, oh, this love song. Oh, yeah, I think I'm getting sick right now. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I was like, 
Oh, here's this heartfuls. Oh, I got a case of the sniffles. Uh, let's let me put that in. That'll that'll get pity from her. <laughs> there, there's something else about this song too, in regards to Terry's voice and the yes. way he sings it, because. You can tell he's trying to sing this one, but his voice is just so loud and he can't quite get over the music. It's in the upper register type thing that he's trying to keep in it and he can't keep it in. It, it makes it sound so sad, you know, and, and depressing. Whiny like, is what it comes off as. Well, well, I'm just picturing Terry at a bar in Rapungi just trying to drink his troubles away and the woman he loved is gone and he's, he's sick now. And oh, it's just it's so sad, you know, it's a sad image. He's gone to this bar to get laid. And he's looking, and he's looking at the dance floor, and it's nothing but married women. And he doesn't leave the bar. He's a creep. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's just that that first lyric is there. Yeah, I see all they have like the the gold rings on their hands and stuff like that, but their husbands aren't there, and they're all wishing they could be with their husband. I'm like, what are these women doing right now? <laughs> are their husbands all these Japanese businessmen who are in meetings until midnight while the ladies go out and drink sake and party with this <laughs> with this let me ask you this do you think do you think Terry Funk took the guitar to the bar to try and pick up chicks <laughs> in this song because it's the only thing he has to hold when he's in his room do you, do you think he's one of those guys do you think he's you think he's like the college freshman who brings the acoustic guitar to play in the gu- quad to get chicks <laughs> And that's what he's doing. That's what he's trying to pull in, in, in a Rapongi, you know, karaoke bar or some crap like that. Oh, anyway, here's Wonderwall, and he just starts strumming. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna play some Richard Marks waiting here for you. <laughs> right here waiting. That's the name of the song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and also this is pretty strange too. I think you know, in real life, Terry was married to the same woman for like well over fifty years. You know, they were together for a super, super long time. So to hear him sing about all these broken relationships is, is kind of weird, Jeff, you know? Well, and also, to that point, it's weird because I was I was going to ask you if he was ever divorced. And I don't think he was. But that's also why these love songs come off as so hollow at times. Is that it's like he's not singing to the woman he loves. He's singing to some woman who doesn't exist. And that's even harder to do. Uh, when you're when you're writing is is you know is is right to a character that you don't have a real relationship with. Mm-hmm. Second to last track here, track number seven, and it's one last Jimmy Hart song. This is called "We Hate School." My teacher don't like my music, and she don't like my clothes. Up your nose with a rubber hose. I'd like to shove her where the sun don't go Cause we hate school, but we love rock and roll Rock and roll Rock and roll When I come home, I turn my radio on My DJ's playing my favorite song My mother yells, get off the phone Have you done your homework? Is that radio on? So I didn't think we could out-cheese songs like We Like to Rock and Barbara Streisand's Nose, but uh, this might take the cake. Um, I mean, when you have lines like, my teacher don't like my music and she don't like my clothes, up your nose with a rubber hose, I'd like to shove her where the sun don't go, because we hate school, but we love rock and roll. We hate school, rock and roll. We hate school, rock and roll. I mean, this... This is a nice big slice of cheddar right here, Jeff. Uh, this also originally on Memphis Television. Um, you can find, if you Google it, uh, pictures of Coco Ware and Bobby Eaton wearing shirts that say We Hate School with a uh, Jimmy Hart caricature on it. Uh, this is the, I guess you could call this the bra- the bad predecessor to You Gotta Fight for Your Right to Party. <laughs> but the... <laughs> Up Your Nose with a Rubber Hose is already passe by now because that was a, uh, that's a Welcome Back Kata reference, I think, from, uh, 
from uh, Vinnie Barbarino, um, which was like 1979, and this is what, 1982 when it originally was on Memphis. Now we're in 1984. And this this is just, this is, again, this is like uh, trying to make 60s doo-wop hard in 1982 <laughs> or something. I mean, it, it's... The synthesizers are, I mean, the the, the, the instrumentation's a bit updated to, to make use of the guys that they had in the studio, but if you watch the uh, and the video on the Memphis one, which I linked to, it's just pure cheese, because I think it's it's members of the first family playing the instruments. It's very Land of a Thousand Dances uh, from, from the from the first wrestling album type of uh, type of thing with a smoke machine and basically just guys rocking back and forth saying we hate school when when they <laughs> haven't been in school in like 16 years. And the only reason they'd hate school now is because they won't let them pick up on the underage girls down there. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, the, the, these guys are way too old and way too creepy to be singing this crap. And it, it, it just it shows through and it's poser stuff and it's 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 angry youth but you're in your mid-30s it's just it's just sad is what it is and and there's nothing there's nothing hard about this song at all there's nothing rebellious about this song at all it's 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 lame (laughs) Mm. it's essentially we like to rock part two yeah because it's about young people and they're rocking and they're rolling and we don't have time for school or homework man and you know, once again, who is the voice of the young people? A forty-year-old man. It's it's yeah. incredible. But but I will say this about this song: unlike we like to rock, this one actually rocks. Yeah, there is that shredding yeah. guitar solo in the middle of the song there, and it's like you know where has this been the entire time? You know, the the entire album. There's been so much sentimentality, so much schmaltz, so much you know jazzy kind of synth stuff. Where has the the macho guitar goodness been? And it's right here, finally. My old girlfriend's jumping on my back. I was going to bring on, this up too. Yes, yes. <laughs> come on, baby. Cut me some slack. I'd like to hit that old broad in the nose because we hate school, but we love rock and roll. What is the deal with this guy in bad relationships? Like, even in a song about hating so school. So domestic abuse is okay. and <sighs> Even in a song about hating school and loving rock and roll, there has to be something in there about Terry having a bad relationship with someone. It's it's so weird, Jeff. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm picturing Jimmy Hart saying this, too, because this is, this is mostly his song. So I'm just like, yeah, Jimmy Hart, the small guy wants to punch his ex-girlfriend in the face. Isn't that, <laughs> isn't that romantic? Because he hates school. I hate school, man. You got an A in math? Screw you. I hate this place. I mean, it's it's so teenage cliche my dj is playing my favorite song my mother yells get off the phone have you done your homework is that radio on it's like <laughs> not quite uh bob dylan in the words department uh, there all yeah. this needs, <laughs> no all this needs is like poodle skirts and a <laughs> and a gto it, it's 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 such a it's already an anachronism and we hadn't even gotten to Terry Funk remaking it. So by that time, yes, the mid-30s Texan is, it's like, it's like, did, did, did Jimmy Hart get the assignment here? Or did he just say, hey, I got a couple of old songs. You could throw them on your album here. <laughs> <laughs> what are they about? Oh, they're about teenage angst. Because God knows Jimmy Hart had been out of high school for 16 years by then, too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and most of the we hate school we hate school rock and roll we <laughs> hate school we hate school rock and roll wait my teacher don't like my music and she don't like my clothes up your nose with a rubber hose i'd like to shove her where the sun don't go it's like jimmy hart has some issues with women can we just say that <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like women of authority or women controlling him he has i bet you he has mom issues <laughs> that's why he writes all these misogynist songs. Oh, I don't know about this, Jimmy. There's a lot of stuff about bad relationships in here. I don't. I don't think it's right for my kind of album. Oh, don't worry, baby. Don't hey, worry baby. about it. This hey, is baby. good this stuff here. Don't worry. Come on, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't ever want to hit, baby. Trust me, baby. Come on now. <laughs> this is a guy who thought Sha Na Na was edgy. <laughs> well, uh, let's get to the uh, final track here, and uh, it's actually a reprise of the opener. 
Yeah. Um, speaking of... Uh, <laughs> how, how lazy are you Speaking getting? of filling in time, uh, this is Great Texan, parentheses, theme from Terry Funk. Jeff, you said you would have liked just the music without the vocals in there. Well, uh, you got your wish, buddy. I got my wish on the outro. Yeah, uh, this is just the opener, Great Texan, without the vocals. Um, except for the background singers. They're still in there, too. Uh, I, realized so you've what, got... I realized what this is now, though, Andrew. This is a this is a Broadway show concept album. <laughs> That's what this is, because we have, we have the intro, and then this the, is the we coda. have the reprise. Yes, the coda, we... yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is Superstar at the end of Jesus Christ Superstar is what this is. Yes, uh, 76 yeah, no. trombones in the big parade. That's not 76. Yeah, no, I, 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 so I go, hey, guys, we got three more minutes to fill on this album. Do we want to do another song? No, nah, man, it's too much work. What do we want to do? Instrumental track from the first yeah, Black Sabbath put in Paranoid as album filler, and it became their biggest hit ever. Jimmy Hart just said, hey, you know what? Do the first song again. Who cares? <laughs> hey, Pink Floyd did this with uh, with Dark Side of the Moon, and it was one of the best tracks on there. <laughs> All that you want. <laughs> um, yeah, no, there's nothing worth saying other than this is just pure laziness, but the... But you know what? It, give some credit to the musicians and take a listen if you want to. It's They're, they're very good. Um... Again, it, it, but it's also like I could just see, like, hey, you guys work for us. This is studio time. There's no way buying your crappy jazz albums. <laughs> Come here and do this Terry Funk love song thing. This Terry Funk vanity project. That's what'll get you in the mainstream, kids. The Japanese will, kids will love you for it because they hate school. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. It's like if you talk back in school in Japan, you get like lashed in. And here's Terry Funk trying to start a riot of the kids, like he's Mutt the Hoople or something. So that was Terry Funk's Great Texan, and uh, those were our thoughts on Great Texan. But what did Terry think of the album? Well, this is an excerpt from Terry's 2012 memoir, More Than Just Hardcore, and I quote, Anything I did on the side, the All Japan office wanted more than its fair share of, but that's just the way it was. Baba was not happy with some of the licensing deals I made over there. He wanted the company to have a piece of things, like the record I made in 1983, which contains some of the most god-awful singing you've ever heard. Jimmy Hart wrote the songs for me because I was too cheap to pay for the rights to songs that people had already heard. All the songs on that album had one thing in common. They all sucked. (laughs) One of them was called I Hate School. Can you imagine... Who in the hell would think would be a good idea to have a 35-year-old man singing, I hate school? So there you go. Um, And also, also, a little story here afterwards, uh, when the sessions were over, they gave Terry a guitar. And when he went back to America, he went through U.S. Customs with a guitar and also some over-the-counter painkillers. They thought he was some druggy rock star, so they gave him a cavity search. So, there you go. A story for the grandkids. <laughs> you deserve it. <laughs> no, I, I, number one, it, but, it, but it does, uh, it, I mean, it does bring to light the, uh, the first thing I said, which were a lot of these things were just celebrity sings songs that you already knew and loved, et cetera, et cetera. It's just basically a giant karaoke album, which looks like it would have been the original plan had he not been so cheap. But, look, if I'm Baba, I wouldn't be happy with this because I had to listen to it, probably. <laughs> 
I'm never booking you in all Japan. Mrs. Bob will probably just ban him for life if she had to hear, listen to this thing. Oh, that cavity search story is fantastic. Yes, a, a fitting end to this whole shebang, I think, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mad. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, Jeff, thank you so much for being here. I know you hate me right now, but uh, listen, No, it's... <laughs> no, 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 no. We've smoothed things out since the beginning because I had a lot of fun. Oh, good. Yeah, well, all jokes aside, this was a fun time, for sure, and uh, and, and a funk time as well, you might say. Uh, but yeah, this was a great time, man. Thanks so much. No problem. Any plugs you want to give? Go right ahead. Sure. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at CrapGame13. If you listen to the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network, I do a little show in the basement called Shake Them Ropes. If you like arcane references like Chase and Mata Hoople and News Radio, I'm your guy. Me, myself and Chris Novembrino, we kind of snark about that week's uh, stateside wrestling. I also do a show on Fight Game Media, patreon.com slash fightgamemedia called The Dynamite Show. About 10 minutes after it goes off the air, myself and Paul Ace Fontaine record uh, hot takes and thorough deconstruction of, of that week's AEW. And occasionally I am still on Fightful, though I am on the bench over there. And you can catch me on Twitter uh, liking Andrew's bad jokes and Andrew liking my bad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good partnership. You know, I get your references. You get my references. It's a it's a match made in heaven. That, that's for <laughs> sure. Yeah. So <laughs> and Music of the Mat is, of course, part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network, just like Shake Them Ropes. You can find all the great podcasts on there at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter, for now anyway, at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter, for now anyway, at Andrew T. Rich. VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord for discussions and comments. VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Donate. For any donations, uh, just click the big Donate button beneath the name Music of the Mat or Shake the Ropes. Either one's fine. If you donate, hey, thanks so much. You're awesome. And of course, rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. Jeff, thank you again. I'll see you around. Mm-hmm. All right. For Jeff Hawkins, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders. Hello, Voices of Wrestling listener. Dave Ryan here. Have you ever wondered to yourself, how many hidden gems are hidden away inside the last years of World Championship Wrestling? Have you ever asked yourself how many tenuous gags can be made about the name Mike Enos? And have you ever thought about what it sounds like for two Irishmen to interpret a very chaotic company through its B-show? The answers to all this and more are just a click away. Check out Days of Thunder every second Thursday on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.